last couple of weeks, and we kind of hit on the rapture a little bit when uh, John was on the Isle of Patmos, and in uh, Revelation 4, we've seen that that was the next thing in the chronological order. So we're going to start on the rapture today. I promise you, you're getting ready to hear it like you've never heard it before, because I think I'm the only person on planet Earth that believes this way, so uh, a lot of it is my opinion. Uh, I've never heard anybody else preach it this way. But we're going to hit on a lot of different parts. The rapture of the church is one of those messages that you can come at it from so many different directions. And it's, it's just unbelievable. You know, we, we talked about how that the, um, the rapture and the ancient Jewish weddings, how they went together. So that was one way of getting there. This one here is how will we be raptured out. And I went ahead and started working on next week's also, and uh, we'll get into how it's going to happen and a few other things. So anyway, just bear with me, and we'll get through this. I think you'll enjoy it. Um, the rapture of the church is one of the most intriguing and most talked about things in the world of Christians. It is a message that is extremely disputed by preachers, teachers, followers of God, and even lost people. Everybody's got an opinion on the rapture of the church or what we call the rapture of the church. So in this message, I'm not going to get into harpezo and reptero and, and uh, metamorpho. We'll get into that uh, in the next message in a week or two maybe. But right now, we're going to, we're going to look at it from a different direction. <clears throat> so... We have some people that just simply do not believe in the rapture. And that's some Christians. That's some lost people. They just do not believe that there's going to be this thing called the rapture. So they just write it off. And then we have the ones who believe that the rapture of the church is going to be before the tribulation, the middle of the tribulation, or at the end of the tribulation. So we've got all that. I think we'll settle that in the next few weeks. But today I hope to shed a little bit of light on this subject. I have researched this extensively um, <laughs> a lot. I really have. Actually, I wrote a couple of books on it. The little book back there and another book that I wrote that I, is almost completed and I quit on it a couple of years ago or about three years ago now. Uh, when I went to work, I didn't have time to complete it. It's called Are You Ready? And it's got some real neat storylines and it's, it's more of a, uh, instead of just an educational book, it's more of a, uh, a fictional type uh, work. And... Um, Actually, next week and, and next few weeks, we'll probably be taking some uh, sections out of that and looking at that. It's, a, it's actually pretty neat. Uh, me and Tanya was going over it and reading through it. I think it was yesterday or the day before yesterday. And she said, why in the world didn't we finish this? And I said, you know, don't know. But anyway, maybe we'll get it done here before too awful long. But anyway, the main text that all preachers and teachers use to preach on the subject of the rapture is found in 1 Corinthians 15:51 through 55 and also 1 Thessalonians 4:13 and 18 which is going to be our text today so if you'd like to stand we're going to start in 1 Corinthians 15:51 now I'm going to read most everything that I'm going to do in this particular message I'm going to be reading from the King James version and the reason being is um, for one thing, I have read it so many times, I can just about quote it without reading it. That helps. <clears throat> but it tends to have a little bit better um, 
the way it reads, it, it just flows a little bit better than I think some of the other, um, the other translations do. So let's jump in here and see what it says. 1 Corinthians 15, 51, it says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Now, in the NLT, it says we shall not all die. And that, to me, is a, a bad translation of what it says. So let's continue on. But we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet of God shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. And we shall be and we shall be changed, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible hath put on incorruption, and, more, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass, saying that it is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Now, before we jump to the next verse, I just want to note something. If you're taking notes today, I'm going to be giving a lot of different verses. We don't have time to go in and read all these verses, but if you're taking notes, 1 Peter uh, 1.23 talks about the corruptible. What does that mean? It gives you a little information on that. So the corruptible is talking about your soul, your soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. But our soul is corruptible right now. And then we talk about mortal. Now, mortal being the mortal human body that is dying. We're all dying. Like it or not, we're all dying. So we're going to look at that a little bit more. But you can look uh, in 1 Peter 1.23. Now, let's look at 1 Thessalonians 4.13. It says, but, and these are letters from Paul to Corinthians and to Thessal uh, Thessalonians or Thess the Thessalonian people. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them that are also asleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain, that'd be us if he were to come back right now, we that are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Let us pray. And dear precious Heavenly Father, Lord God, we come to you once again. And Lord, I pray right now, Lord God, that you would just loosen my jaw. I pray, Lord God, that you... Would whatever comes out of my mouth would be what you want it to come out of my mouth. I pray, Lord God, that you'll anoint the ears of everybody here, that they will hear a message, Lord, that you want them to hear. Lord, help us to have a deeper understanding of this thing that we call rapture, Lord, where that you will come and get us. Help us, Lord, to realize the closeness and how, how that you are going to do these things, Lord God. We praise you and we thank you for this glorious hope that we have, Lord, where that we can be carried away. Lord, we love you and we praise you, Lord, for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Several years ago, we began hearing on the news, and this is a long time ago, 
about thousands of birds around the world would be flying through the sky and they would just fall to the ground dead. Wasn't long after that till they began to discover that fish, schools of fish would be swimming around and they would just belly up and turn dead. Does anybody remember hearing that from several years ago? All right. That is actually still happening in places around the world, but you don't ever hear anything about it nowadays. Science has tried to call that everything under the sun, including that it was all caused by global warming, which is the favorite excuse for everything that they say, global warming, that man-made created mess, just kind of like the COVID was. The first time I heard about this years ago, it was like a light, especially the birds, it was like a light went off in my head. And I could not get it out of my mind. Could not. All I could think about was those birds falling to the sky. And here's what kept coming to my mind. That this is going to be the way the rapture of the church is going to be. And I just couldn't get it off my mind. For years, I thought about that. Until I began to really jump in and study the rapture. And how the rapture of the church and how it would be. And what I'm getting ready to say is something that I believe proves that our flesh and blood, mortal bodies will not vanish into thin air at the time of the rapture as the rapture movies portray. We've all seen movies like Left Behind and all of that where that the people simply just disappear and they're gone. Okay. I do not believe that that is what the Bible teaches. So that's what we're talking about today. That part of the event. So if we go back and look at our text in 1 Corinthians, Paul is teaching the church of Corinthians with this first letter. Some of the followers in that church are second guessing whether there's even going to be a resurrection or not. Then Paul goes into great detail about how the resurrection will take place. Now you know how I always say in order to know the future, you got to go back and know the past, right? I have never heard anybody that has started to talk about or preach on the rapture of the church that has actually went back before 1 Corinthians 15, 51. And Paul says so much information in all of 15 that you really need to go back and read that. So 15, 21, let's go back 30 verses here and see what he says. He says... So you see, just as death came into the world through a man. What man? Adam. This was when Adam and Eve done what they done. This was a spiritual and physical death. Now the resurrection from the dead has become or has begun through another man, Jesus. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam. Everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. But there is an order to this resurrection. Jesus was raised as the first of the harvest. Now y'all remember first of the harvest. When all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. Let's look at the first of the harvest a little bit. John 20, chapter six, or John 20, 16 and 17. This would be on resurrection morning. Now, we talked about resurrection just a few weeks ago, but this is resurrection morning. I want you to notice what goes on here. 
Jesus saith unto her. If you remember, Mary had gotten to the tomb. Jesus wasn't there. He turns, or she turns around, and Jesus saith unto her, Mary, as she turned herself, and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus said something, on, said something to her, pretty stern, pretty fast. He said, don't, or he said, touch me not. Touch me not. For I am not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren, the disciples, and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father. In other words, he was getting ready to ascend to his Father right then. I ascend to my Father. And unto your Father, and to my God, and unto your God. Why did Jesus tell Mary not to touch him? Now remember, this was resurrection morning. Jesus had just physically been resurrected from the dead. I believe at that point he still had the mangled up flesh body. Alright? So you've got to remember, when Jesus was, when they were beating him, and they were nailing him to the cross, he was taking in the sins of the entire world. And when I say that, from Adam and Eve the last person that's ever going to be born on this planet and the sin that goes along with that last person, every sin, he took them all on himself. All sin. He had to take them all. He couldn't miss not one. So he took all sin upon himself. The only way to pay for sin is death. Jesus died in our place to pay for those sins. So here we have this situation. where Mary is getting ready, I believe at this time, <laughs> I believe when she realized that that was Jesus, she was getting ready to latch on to him. She was getting ready to give him a big hug. He was completely cleansed and perfect for the gift of first fruits of the harvest to his Father, God. My thoughts are that if Mary had touched him, he would have become unclean. If you go back in Leviticus and you read about all the sacrifices and how they done it, it was very easy to get unclean. Okay, so he was clean. He was perfect. He was the perfect sacrifice. Because she still had the old sinful spirit in her. Remember, the Holy Spirit was not given until the day of Pentecost, which was 50 days after the day of resurrection. 50 days. In the Old Testament, the old deal, God's people were instructed to present their first and best of their harvest unto God, as we're going to read a little bit of that. In Exodus thirty-four twenty-six, as you harvest your crops, bring the very best of the first of the harvest to the house of the Lord, uh, to the house of the Lord. So according to, and you might want to write this down if you're taking notes, Hebrews 9, 11, and 12, Jesus, it says, Jesus went into the temple of heaven to sprinkle his blood. So we're going to read that on the altar acting as high priest. So let's see what, exactly what it says. I'm going to read this one in NLT. So Christ has now become the high priest over all good things that have come. He has entered the greater, more perfect tabernacle in 
heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of the created world. With his own blood, not the blood of goats or calves, he entered the most holy place for all time and secured our redemption, redemption forever. Now, if you remember, we've talked about several times how that the old Jewish temples was, Solomon's temple, even the one back in Exodus uh, when God had instructed Moses and Aaron to build this tent-type temple, how that there was three parts to that temple. There was an outer room, an inner room, and then the Holy of Holies. So we're going to be talking about the Holy, Holies, Holy of Holies just for a second. Only the high priest, in, uh, in the time of Moses, Aaron was the high priest. In the time during the uh, Solomon's temple, same thing. Only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies, go behind the curtain, go into the Holy of Holies, to take the blood, to sprinkle it on the altar. And in the beginning, it was on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. Only that could take place. Well, as you, as you see here in what we've just read, and I believe this happened resurrection morning, as we just read in 20. Jesus took his sacrificial body and blood to God the Father in the tabernacle of heaven. He acted as the high priest, but he was taking his own blood and sprinkling it on the altar. Then he returned back to earth. When he returned back to earth, he had his new glorified body. If you remember, the first visit that, or the first people that saw him was the two on the road to Emmaus. And he was walking with them. They were talking about what had happened. He was talking about Jesus, actually. And as he got back and they were talking a little longer, something happened. It says that God had dimmed their eyes where that they couldn't tell that that was Jesus. But then they realized that it was Jesus. They could see that it was him. And guess what it says? It says he vanished. He vanished from them. Now we're going to get back to that just in a second. Luke 24, 13, 32 talks about that uh, trip to uh, Emmaus. And then that night, it happened again. He visits another, the rest of the disciples. That's John 20, 19 and 23, and Luke 24, 39. When he went back and he talked to the disciples that night, if you remember, they were in a closed room. And he appeared to them. He didn't open the door and come through it. He appeared to them. And he also, if you remember, which one was it? Uh, Peter that didn't believe, was it Peter? That didn't believe Thomas. Thomas. There you go. Doubting Thomas. <laughs> exactly. All right. So Thomas didn't believe it was Jesus. What did Jesus tell him to do? Feel my side. Feel my hands. Touch me. Something changed from that morning. Touch me. He had his new glorified body. Now, Jesus could have made several trips back and forwards from heaven to earth. And a lot of people don't realize this. When Jesus came and got with Paul, you remember Paul was on the road to Damascus? Okay? And Jesus came and he met with Paul. That was several years after this, after he had done left. Jesus, 
ascension from the Mount of Olives is mentioned in Acts 1, 6, and 11. Philippians 3, 20 and 21 says, For you, our conversation is heaven, from whence also ye look to the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our, who's our? The Christians. Who will change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. Okay. Yes. He will always have the wounds. He will be the only one that does. In Revelation, when we start talking about Revelation and he comes out and opens the seal, it says he looks like a lamb that has been slaughtered. He will always be the one with the imperfect, if you want to call it that, imperfect body. Okay. But he's going to give us a body like his, a glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able to subdue all things unto himself. So Jesus had received or put on his new body at this point in the message as we're talking. Now, if we go back to 1 Corinthians again, Paul is continuing to tell about what Jesus had to accomplish before he could come back to earth to get us in the rapture. He says something very important in verse 35. This is the part that everyone that teaches the rapture tends to miss. 1 Corinthians 15, 35. But some man will say, how are the dead raised up and with what body do they come? And he says, thou fool, thou which thou sowest, plant, is not quickened except it die. Now the NLT does give a little better explanation of this. It makes it where we can understand it. It says, what a foolish question. When you put a seed into the ground, it is that it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. We all know about germination. The, the seed actually dies. What comes out of the germination is what causes the new plant. That's what he's saying here. Why would Paul be saying this? He's saying when you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. Verse 37 says, And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not the body that shall be but bear grain. That's that part, that seed. What does that mean? It would appear to be that a seed... What is the seed of man? Do we have a seed or does mankind have a seed? Well, the seed of that germination, that part of that germination, is kind of the structure of what that plant will be, right? Okay? What makes our structure? DNA. It tells all about us. It makes up our structure. It's like our seed. All right, we're going to move a little further here. Paul goes down the list and gives examples through these verses. If you want to read all of 15, uh, would be great. He gives examples of all these bodies of man to plants and then fish and birds and celestial and terrestrial bodies, how all this comes into play. Verse 42 says... 
It is the same way with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted into the ground when we die. But we will be raised to live forever. Our new bodies are buried in broke our excuse me, our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as the natural bodies that there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. Then in verse 50, so we made it all the way up to verse 50, okay? Not 51 yet, but we made it all the way up to verse 50. Listen to what it says. Paul's saying this right before he starts talking about the rapture. <clears throat> he says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Remember this. Flesh and blood cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Humans were all created in God's likeness, right? What's God's likeness? God is a three-dimensional being. He's God the Father. He's God the Son, Jesus, and He's God the Holy Spirit. We humans also are made up of three parts. We are mortal body. Mortal body. The temporary dying house that you see right here. All right? This is just a house that we live in. One place in the Bible that talks about it. It's the house that you live in. That is our mortal body. That means we're dying. All right? We have a soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions. That's something that's going to go on forever. We're going to know what we knew here. Our mind, our will, and our emotions. But we also are born with a spirit. The bad part is we're born with a dead spirit. So the question is, have you got your new spirit yet through salvation? Because that's the only way you're going to go any further. That's the only way you're going to make it into heaven. Hebrews 9.27 has another strange verse. Now these will all tie together here in a moment. It says, And as it is appointed unto man, appointed unto man, all right, wants to die. But after this, the judgment. Every flesh and blood body must die. It is pointed. There are only two people in the entire Bible, in the entire Bible, that left this earth without dying. You remember who they are? Elijah. Enoch and Elijah. Enoch was taken by God in Genesis 5.24. Elijah was taken up in a fiery chariot by God in 2 Kings 2.11. All right? Both without dying. So it seems like we've got a little controversy going on here, right? It seems like things are just not adding up. Kind of what it sounds like. Both without dying. But, big but here they both come back to earth. Enoch and Elijah are on their way back. They come back to earth. In Revelation 11.3, they come back as the two witnesses. <clears throat> so these two have never died. So what do you do with Hebrews 9.27? They said, is it appointed unto man once to die? Let's see what happens here. 
in Revelation 11, 7, it says this. It says, And when they shall have finished their testimony, their witness, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them <clears throat> and shall overcome them and shall kill them. And shall kill them. Who's the beast? The Antichrist is the beast. He will kill them. When it says the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit, we're talking about the spirit of Antichrist as we've been talking back in the back room and uh, talking for the last few weeks. That spirit of Antichrist is none other than Nimrod's spirit. He was the first Antichrist. And as we go further, when we, when we get in the middle of... Uh, uh, of Revelation a little deeper, we will talk about the beast. We'll talk about this Antichrist and we will talk about how that this man himself gets killed and how that he will come back with this spirit in him, which is the spirit of Nimrod. So that's on down the road a little bit. Is everybody with me? Okay. All right. He will kill them and they will lay dead in the streets for three and a half days. There will be a great celebration that people will do. They'll be given gifts like Christmas time because these two are finally dead. But they raise up after three and a half days. Now we get to 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Again, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. In the King James Version, the word sleep seems to refer to an extended period of time, whereas the NLT says we shall not die. That's not correct. That's a bad translation. So how can we be appointed once to die, but then we don't die if it were like the people that are preaching that uh, our bodies will not die? They're just going to vanish. All right. So how, how can we do that? If you look at it from the sleep standpoint, extended time, it is understandable. Our physical bodies will completely die at that point, but we will immediately receive a new glorified body on the way up to meet Jesus in the air. Now, what that means is this. <clears throat> if your body simply vanished... Just about everybody in the world now has got an iPhone, right? Or some type of phone with a camera. In this world, if people began to vanish, how long would it take before videos of people vanishing into thin air went viral? Not very long. How long would it take for the whole world to know that if that's the way that it went, that it would be the rapture of the church? Because there are enough people out there that have seen the movies about the rapture that everybody would put those two pieces together, right? If the whole world were to suddenly see that happen, two to three billion people suddenly vanished in the world. If the whole world seen that and the whole world knew within a few hours that the rapture of the church had taken place, what would the people of the world be doing? I don't know about them, but I know what I'd be doing. I'd be on my hands and knees and I'd be begging with everything in me, come back and get me because my daughter, my son, my little children, 
my mama, dad, whoever was a Christian is gone and I'm stuck here, I would be all over that floor just begging for him to come back. But you know, when you read in Revelation, that's not what happens. It's not what happens. People's not on their hands and knees. They're not begging for uh, God to forgive them, come back and get them. That's not it. No, people are mad. People are mad during this time. If you look, people are mad right now. As you were talking, people walking in the supermarket start shooting stuff up. Everybody's angry. Just meet somebody on the road, especially if you're in Louisville, Lexington, or someplace like that. You meet somebody on the road, and it's just like they could bite your head off. They're mad because everything's not going to suit them. Now, if we look at it from this standpoint, to the world, if the bodies die, the spirit, the soul, and maybe a DNA molecule. That's just hypothetical. Who knows? But a part of the body, all right, leaves. The body's left on the ground. Now you've got two to three billion people that are dead laying on the ground. The elitist is going to go, whoo, we are winning because they want to kill each and every one of you. They want to take it down to 500 million. They've, they're so bold about this. They built that monument. We've been able to go down there and look at the thing. But the monument in Georgia, Georgia Guidestones, Guidestone, want to take it down and control the world at 500 million. It's because those hoggish, selfish, satanic trash want to control everything. And they pretty much do already. They have 95% of the world's wealth. The rest of us, and they make up about 5%, which is kind of unique. So the rest of us, 95% of the people living on 5% of the wealth of the world because them hogs has done got it. So they're going to think, we did good. That's the reason they try everything that we eat, drink, smell, taste. They're trying to kill us. Don't think for one minute that what I'm saying is not correct. Just check it out. They're trying to kill us. They want to kill us. They want to. So to the world, it would appear that everyone just died. There would be bodies laying everywhere. And of course, I got ahead of myself, so I got to catch up here. <clears throat> now, if our earthly bodies simply vanished, simply vanished, why wouldn't God have used the word vanished to describe this event in the Bible. In the King James Version, the word vanish is actually in there. It is. It is actually, the word vanish is used four times in the King James Version of the Bible. Job uh, 6, 17 is talking about water vanishes or vanish uh, in the heat. Uh, Isaiah 51, 6, earth and heaven shall vanish. 1 Corinthians 13, 8, knowledge shall vanish. Uh, Hebrews 8, 13, Old covenant shall vanish. Then the plural vanished with a D, E or E D, is used two times in the King James Version. In Jeremiah 49, 7, wisdom vanished. And then Luke 24, 31, Jesus vanished of their sight, as we were talking about when they were in Emmaus. Then the old English word vanisheth, as you would see in the King James Version, appears two times. And all these are in the King James Version. I'm not picking them out of different places. 
This is just what's in the King James Version. Vanisheth uh, appears in Job 7 and 9, clouds vanisheth. James 4.14, life vanisheth away. I believe if our complete bodies were going to vanish, he would have said they were going to vanish. Why would he have not? But if you think about it, when people, when people hear about and find out about all of these people dying, you see, the elitists have done set the stage. It was called COVID. The stage was set. How many millions have gotten killed? How many millions are still going to die from this man-made disease that they've come up with in Wuhan? All right? Dropping dead. Yep. So they've set the stage. So when there's two or three billion people that suddenly over a period, and, and I, you, I'm going to go ahead and throw this part out, within a 24-hour time period, and I'm going to show you why I think that comes into play in one of the messages down the road. But when that takes place, people are not going to think nothing about They're not going to think that's a rapture. You know why? Because they think the rapture is people disappearing. They're not going to believe that. All right? Okay, <clears throat> now, I believe that the governments will make up every kind of excuse that they can possibly come up with and try to explain what's happened. They'll be scrambling to explain something, what caused the death of the two to three billion children and adults worldwide. I believe that all the children that don't have the knowledge to be accountable unto God will be taken in the rapture. We used to call that the age of accountability, but how in the world would you come up with a specific age for accountability? I was accountable when I was 10. I know people that's 27 that ain't accountable at this point in time. Okay? So it is the people that are at that point in time that will not be accountable unto God because they're not accountable. They don't have the mentality of that at that point in time, whatever age they may be. I believe they will be raptured up. And it was strange, and I can't remember the numbers because I didn't look it up, but when I was doing the research on this, the only place that you could find the numbers that told how many people were under specific ages in the world currently, the World Bank is the only place that you could get that information. And they went from 14 down to zero. And I think it was like 1.3 billion on earth, ages 14 and younger. And I thought, my goodness, what, a, what an incredible number that would be because that would just about take care of all of these unaccountables, right? So if you take that number and then add the what we think is true Christians, true people that is born again, you would have somewhere between two and three billion people. Many think that they're ready to meet God. But people base their salvation. We talk about this all the time. People base their salvation on being a member of a church or belonging to a specific church. Or their good deeds, works. But they will not go up in the rapture of the church. That's not what it says. It says you must be born again. That comes from Jesus in John 3.3, 3, not from Mark Carnes. You must be born again. You have to have a renewing of the Spirit. In the next three to four weeks, we will continue our journey through the coming tribula tribulation in the book of Revelation and some more rapture stuff. 
When you hear about all the things that I have in store for you about how that the world is lining up perfectly with what is getting ready to, what the Bible says is getting ready to happen, you'll realize real quick that you don't want to be here. You will not want to be here. I don't mean here in church. I mean you won't want to be here on earth when this takes place. And it is lining up so perfectly. There are only two ways to miss the great tribulation. Only two. One, you die before it starts. Okay? Or, or but, if you're lost, hell's going to be a whole lot worse than tribulation ever thought about being. So that's not a good option. You better be ready. And if you're born again. The people that are born again are not going to see the tribulation. We've got one more event. That's all we've got. As Christians, we've got one more event. And that is the rapture of the church. Susan, if you'll give us a song of invitation, I'm going to end this one right here. If you'd like to stand. talking about and, and some of the things that's getting ready to happen. Think about the people that are around us. People that we know. Brothers, sisters, family members that is lost. What they're going to go through. and We, have, we, just, we haven't even touched on what, what they're going to go through. It's a horrible time that's coming. And we can see these things taking place right now. As we talked about Wednesday night, um, how that famine food is just going to be impossible to get and what every time you turn on the TV right now what do you hear about food food the elitist have figured out a way to shut our food supply off we can't even get formula for babies because they're shipping it to down to Mexico to the line so all this is in play it's all happening it's not you know, this is not a nightmare that we're going to be able to wake up in the morning and go, man, that was a bad dream. It's a bad dream, all right. It's a nightmare. But it's happening right now. So I would ask if everyone would bow your heads just for one moment. I'm not going to take much time. been long enough. Now, I want to, I want to talk. To, if there's anyone here this morning, and it may not be, I don't know. But if there's anyone here this morning that is not 100% sure that you're a Christian, you're not, you don't think you're born again or you've never been born again, right now may be the last opportunity, and I don't say this to try to scare you, but if it works, I'll be glad to say it to scare you. If you're not ready to go up in the rapture, get ready. Get ready. So if anybody would just, and I'm not going to come back to anybody. I'm not, even, I'm not even going to ask you to come to the altar this morning. If there's anybody here that can say, I'm not ready to go to heaven. I'm not going to come back to you. I'm not going to bother you. I just want to pray for you. I want to pray for you when I get home. If you will just be honest and say, I'm not ready. Just lift up your hand. Let me know. Okay? Anyone else? Anyone not ready? Okay. I'll be praying.
for this one. And I will ask this. If anybody has anything that they want to pray about, you're welcome to come to the altar if you would like. And we will have an altar message, or not altar message, but prayer. <clears throat> Anyone else like to come up? We're going to have prayer. of you can be seated if you'd like to continue to pray please
good service. Good service. Uh, I don't know about you, but I, I feel the Holy Spirit. I've got coaches all over me. And, uh, anybody have a praise? Praise the Lord for this today. Service that we're going home. <laughs> we'll be home before going you know. Home. <laughs> yep. That's exactly right. One thing, Mark, that I prayed to God for making sure that we found each other. The church and you. Amen. Amen. Yes. Amen. You know what? God put it together. There's no doubt about that. Because I was ready to give up. I was tired of looking, tired of searching, didn't say nobody wanted me to be their preacher or, or come to it seemed like I used to get revivals all the time and got to where I, I couldn't. And, you know, I know what it is. I can't preach a watered-down message. I can't. You know, it's just, I can't do it. And uh, so, when Bill called me that day, I, I guess y'all probably heard this story, but I'm, I'm going to tell you real quickly. When Bill called me that day, and he asked me, he, he he's actually, he told me, he said, uh, he said, are you preaching anywhere now? And I said, no. And he said, well, he said, I've been thinking about calling you. He said, I, I didn't know. He said, I figured you were preaching somewhere. And he said, I hadn't talked to you for a while. And he said, uh, he said, would you be interested in coming to our church and preaching for us on the 26th day of December? And I said, yeah, this was on the 10th. It was the day before the Friday. It was on Friday. And uh, I said, yes. Didn't think about it. Didn't question. Yep, sure did. And he said, your name just keeps coming in my mind. That I need to call you. I need to call you. And uh, so I asked him, I said, do you have anybody preach Sunday? He said, yeah. He said, I think our pastor is going to preach Sunday. He's resigned, but I think he's going to preach Sunday. He called back in about 15 minutes. And he said, he's not preaching Sunday. Can you come? And I said, yep, I'll be there. So you all know the story from that point in time. But that Sunday... He asked me, he's, after I had preached, he said, would you consider being our pastor? I said, oh, I don't know about none of that. You know, we've got we to think about that. We've got to pray about that. I have no idea. Something happened that changed all that. One of these days I'm going to share that with you, but I can't share it yet. And uh, that thing that happened was huge. And it's what changed, changed uh, my decision instantly as soon as I heard it. And Bill asked me, he said, do you know Mark Dickerson? And I said, well, I don't really know him. I have talked to him a time or two. And I said, I did have his telephone number. And he said, would you care to call him and ask him about if you can preach for us until maybe June? And I said, yep. He said, because that's when they, they picked their preachers. So I called him up, didn't get a hold of him, left a message on his answering machine. And... Uh, I can't wait to be able to share this other part with you, but I can't do that just yet. Okay, but he he called me up, or he actually he had uh, I got his answering machine. I left him a message, told him who it was. Dale Curry called. I've never spoke to Dale Curry before in my life. I don't recognize. I don't. I've heard of him or may have may have seen him at some point in time, but I had no idea. He calls me up. He talks to me. He said that uh, Dickerson had called him and told him to call me. So he said, are you going to be able to preach on the 26th? And I said, yeah. I said, I done told him I'd preach on the 26th. He said, well, I can tell you that that's fine. And he said, I will get back in touch with Mark. He said, going into the new year. 
He said, there's no way that you're going to hear back from us until after the first of the year. And he said, the next message you can preach if you don't hear from us. He said, but don't expect to call for a wall. He said, that's just not going to happen. He said, too much going on. I said, okay. I was in Russell Springs at a friend of mine's uh, shop up there. And uh, I went in, I walked back out, my phone was ringing. I picked up the phone, it was Dale Curry. He said, well, he said, I called Mark to tell him what was going on. And he told me to tell you that you were the preacher up there at Barnes Creek Methodist Church until June. That quick. And I thought, man, did the Lord put this together or what? I mean, really? I mean, wow. Okay? So, y'all know the rest of the story. But things like that don't happen if God don't have His hand in it. I was getting ready to give all of my notes, thousands of pages of notes, to Tyler. And I done told him, I'm just going to help you. Get you a church and do whatever you need to do. I'm just going to start teaching you. That's, that's where I was at. And a lot of times we have to get to the point of being broke to the, in more ways than one in order for God to be able to use us. And He had me where He needed me. And apparently He had you where you needed me for the moment. <laughs> Hopefully you need me for a long time. But anyway, uh, so anyway, that if, if Bill hadn't have listened to God, I wouldn't be here. And if the other thing that I can't tell you about uh, hadn't have happened, I probably wouldn't have been here. I don't know how it would have worked out, but it wouldn't have worked out how it did. So anyway, Brother Bill, stand up and dismiss us. And uh, first, I just want to say, Mark, since we love you, we're thinking that to have you here. Amen. I love you all. I feel like y'all are all my brothers and sisters. Well, you are all my brothers and sisters. And uh, I love you. I think about you all the time. And I don't think there's a minute that goes by in my life that this church is not on my mind. I'm always trying to think of ways to do things better or do things more or do whatever we need to do in order to build the church, grow the church. And, and I think about you guys all the time. And please, I was thinking about this yesterday. Or, yeah, just for that. Um, if you have family members that you can't reach, somebody that that you would like for me to go talk to, or that's what I'm here for. I'm your pastor, okay? Uh, I will I will be here if I can get here. I will be here, okay? So if you have that, if you've got family in the hospital or something, and you need me to go with you, or if you if you need me to take you somewhere, as soon as we get the van fixed. And, not much room in the mini, but <laughs> they, I did get my van apart yesterday and uh, got ready for new parts to go back on. So, uh, but anyway, feel free to call me. You know, that's, that's what I'm here for. Okay? All right. Now, Bill. Lord, we thank you that you brought Brother Mark into our path and uh, we praise you for that. Lord, we love our church family. I know Mark does too, and he fits in well. And only you that could have done this, put this together for us. I ask that you be with each one here. You bless them, and you watch over us all, and you hedge us from old Satan, because he is hitting at us hard. Yeah. And Lord, I, uh, I pray that you uh, bless, bless us all and give us a safe trip home. In the name of Jesus Christ, I ask these things. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.
Sunday.